Hello and welcome to the University Guide podcast with me, David Hawkins. Today I'm back to my in conversation with format, something I've neglected due to being crazily busy with everything else. It actually didn't help that my guest today is also on quite a mad schedule, but we managed to catch up while he had some free time in Mexico City. So after a few false attempts, here is the interview. It's Alex Kelly, the Unifrog story. So on the line now, all the way, conveniently enough for him, from Mexico City is Alex Kelly. Alex, thank you so much for giving up some time when what I'm sure is a really busy, busy time for you. Uh, do you know what? They're all, they're all the times are probably just about as busy as all the other times. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's really a, a shape to the year. It's just it's always more of the good stuff. Yep. More of the good, good, fun times. Sounds good. So, um, Alex, for those of the listeners who don't know, is the founder of Unifrog, um, a platform which I first came across, gosh, probably seven years or so ago now. Um, I remember distinctly exactly where I was sitting when I first spoke to Alex, which was in a, I was on boarding duty in Wilsey's boarding house at Taunton School in rural England. Um, and first spoke to Alex about this thing called Unifrog and what it was doing. And now many, many listeners around the world will be using Unifrog in their schools. We'll have students who have found opportunities to do all sorts of interesting things with their lives through Unifrog. Um, and all of that kind of came from, from Alex. So what we want to do today is to delve into that story and find out that how did Alex Kelly come to change the world? <laughs> uh, well, the, the, the only help that we have given most definitely has been all really channeling ideas that have come from teachers, counsellors and students. So we're, we're really just the kind of conduit of people's bright ideas, but it's, it's, it's great to be involved all the same. Right. Um, where, so where, the, where things started, the first thing I have to say is that I started Unifrog with my lovely wife, Coralie, who's um, the brains in the operation. And um, she's, she's the one who handles anything to do with data and I'm more of the kind of, um, it would be cool if we could do this, but I don't really know how type of person. Um, and where actually, where we actually started Unifrog, it was, I was teaching in a, well, to go really to the beginning, I was teaching in an inner city school in London and um, getting inspired by a bunch of year eights, so about 12 years old, um, thinking these are the kind of kids who could one day get into a top university, but there wasn't a strong history of that at the school. And that led me on to firstly being completely um, completely enraptured by the possibilities of education. Because one, you're interacting with these fantastic uh, young minds who are uh, like funny and interesting and full of potential. And secondly, there's obviously so much um, in education which could improve as in, in the education system in the UK for, for sure anyway. Um, and so I, what happened then was I started a charity called The Access Project which is all about one-to-one tuition for, for these types of students uh, where the tutors are volunteers doing corporate jobs. So people like a lawyer giving up an hour every week to, um, to tutor my kid Ibrahim in maths and um, hopefully helping Ibrahim get better grades and then eventually having the grades to, to get into a top university. Anyway, I, I, I was teaching English for five years at Highbury Grove, then ended up running the Access Project for five years. 
and um, the Access project grew so that it was a quite a, a kind of complex program where we would partner with particular high schools and mainly provide one-to-one -one tuition like I was just describing, but we would also do some other stuff around help writing kids' personal statements or um, uh, even helping with overall references for the UCAS process or, or things like just taking students on visits on open days, this kind of thing. Um, and the, then what I got really interested in was the fact that I had even the very smartest kids on the Access project who, when it came to actually filling in their UCAS forms, ended up making pretty strange choices. Yeah. So a typical, a typical thing that one of these kids might do, and these were like the smartest students who'd had quite a lot of support already um, from year 10 up to year 13. That's, that's the, the, the period that the Access Project works in. So it's like a four-year intense program. Even with all of that support, the students would still do things like apply to only one source. So they, you've got your five choices on UCAS form. They would apply to courses with only one type of entry requirement. And it's like, well, if you get all your offers back and you do a little bit better or a little bit worse than what you thought you were going to do, then you're, you, haven't, you haven't chosen very wisely. Or they would only apply for courses which were very well, you know, very kind of over-applied to courses themselves, things like business, medicine, law. Um, or they would um, only apply to very famous universities, not really think about the ones that were a really good fit for them. Interesting um, aside, David, is that the the UK when I was when I was involved in um, the whole um, uh, supporting students process myself directly, we didn't really have much of a concept of fit. Yeah. It was much more like how good how good a course could you get into, and that was kind of like that's it. Like oh, you're you you're going to get three A's, well that means you could go to one of these five institutions. So. Yeah. That's great. Alex, it's still uh, really like that. I know you're in Mexico City right now and you're, you're right. here all the time, but it is still in, in the, you know, I'm, I'm talking to you today after having been in my sixth school this week um, mm. and the UCAS process in a lot of schools is still that, what subject do you want to study? What grades have you got? Here's 12 universities you can consider, pick five. Yeah, yeah. Well, well that, that's a kind of good way to segue into the start of Unifrog because yeah. really the beginning of Unifrog was this idea of couldn't we bring together lots of data from all different sources to try and help kids work out what their best fit is? So what, what is the actual best set of courses for a student to apply to on their UCAS form that would really be appropriate for the student in terms of them as a person, also be a good strategic move in terms of you know, a student having a range of entry requirements, maybe, maybe applying for a, a joint honours course because it might be actually a little bit easier to get in, into at, at that university student really wants to get into than the straight law course, for example. Um, so the, the idea with Unifrog is, was to say, let's, let's bring together all this data, make it easy for the students to compare the data and then choose their courses. But crucially, to at, all along the way, to make it so that the school, and by that I mean teachers, can see what the students are up to and can intervene if they think the student's at risk of making bad choices. To, so, so really just kind of open the process up for both the students and the teachers. Yeah, I, mean, I, I remember, and this is a story I think I've, I've told to you a few times actually, I think after you and I first spoke and talking about Unifor, going into a, my first class the next day, which was an upper six class, so the, the senior class in American language, and these were kids who had already applied to universities, got offers from universities, and sh showing them Unifog and saying, would this have been useful? 
And I, I can remember the student, I won't say her name, but I can remember her looking at this and going, I wish I'd had this six months ago. Um, <laughs> being able to sort the data and look at all the information, and all the, the statistics on there. And from that moment, I was, I was sold on Unifrog. <laughs> well, that, that's great. Um, a great reason to like Unifrog to, for, for a student to say, yes, this would have been useful. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so the, 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 university, the UK university tool was the first thing that we did. Um, and really, the, like, like I said, the aim was to try and make the, um, put the students and the teachers in the driving seat of the whole process. But um, there was a kind of deeper um, wish that Coralie and I, Coralie and my wife, um, who co-founded Unifrog with me, that we had, which was a kind of longer term vision to try and, and create something that would level the playing field for students across the world um, and for students interested in all different types of routes. So not just UK students looking at UK universities, but what about a UK student who is interested in maybe doing an apprenticeship, maybe going to a, a further education college and maybe looking at a university course? And, and can, we bring, can we create something which would allow that student to compare all their options? Yeah. And then in, in addition, something which we've we're, you know, been working on for the last few years, and the job is a big one, so I'm sure it will, we'll be working on it for a few years to come, but saying for a, any student in the world, can they compare every program taught in English that they might be able to get into and work out which is the best for them? Yeah. So Alex, in that kind of story, you, and you, you make it sound so simple, um, but you know, I think the reality behind it is probably much more complicated. You know, when, when you're saying we founded Unifrog, Coralie and yourself, this wasn't a case of running around the city of London and getting a pile of venture capitalist bank, backers and, and having a glitzy office in the city of London. You know, in, no. in, in my head, it was <laughs> exactly. two, two of you on your two of you on your dining table, fiddling this around the day job, building this platform. You know, and is you know what was that like? What was the process by which you got something from nothing yeah, off the ground? It, that's fun. It's funny, isn't it? Whenever you start a project, and any, anyone who's ever run any type of project will 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 know I'm talking about it here. It's never glamorous ever at any point. <laughs> even but even if something great happens, you're so like. You've, you've worked so hard to get it to that point that it doesn't really feel like a glamorous moment. It's like, okay, we've done, we've done that thing. That's good. Let's move on to the next thing. And the reality, the reality of starting was quite, so for me personally, it was quite a, a tough decision because I was leaving the Access Project, which was a, quite a successful organization, which, you know, was, do, was and is doing really great things which make everyone involved feel really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're helping disadvantaged kids get into to difficult to get into universities. Everyone's, everyone's very happy about that. And I was saying, hey, I, this organization that I started and is going well, I'm going to leave it and, and, and begin this weird data thing, <laughs> which I think is going to be good. And everyone's like, this is a very odd decision. Especially, I remember my family being like, this is just a really bad bad error you only get one chance to to do something successful in life and that was this is obviously your thing you should never leave it yeah um, and so starting and starting unifrog was um so coralie actually doesn't like sitting at desks or tables so that was in, involved in sitting on bed and um looking at very complicated um spreadsheets of of ucas data um and trying to make say, okay, how could we build a tool that would that would achieve the things that we think students and teachers want? Um, so yeah, it started slow, but um, 
right uh, to be honest right right from the, the the time we had a first version of unifrog we had schools who were like yeah this is good we'll we'll, we'll we'd like to run with it so so once we got a, a a kind of a very basic version of it live we had we did have positive feedback from from teachers and students so that was cool cool so alex a question and, that um, i think a lot of people kept, ask something something i think a lot of people ask and it's important mm -hmm. to to clarify why a frog? Yeah. Okay, a frog. That came from the fact that at the time, I was obsessed with this this company called Hitmonk, which was a, a something that I was using to book some some um, plane tickets, and it had a chipmunk as its um, kind of like uh, little mascot, and I was like, well, obviously. If we're going to start a company, we have to have a animal involved, and I wanted to call it. I wanted a trout. <laughs> I don't know why. I was. I wanted to call Unifrog Uni Trout. Oh dear and me! Then everyone told me that was a terrible idea, and so then I was, then we were like, what other animals are cool? And we decided on frog partly because of the jumping from one place to the next, but also partly because Corey's French, and as Got a it. British person, yeah, there you go. That's the embarrassing truth. Wow. So you, you, there's the two of you, you know, sitting in bed, looking at CSV <laughs> files of massive yeah. data of, of UCAS yeah. stuff, and I've seen some of those files, and it's yeah, it's scary data. Um, building a project, getting it, getting it out there, getting feedback from some schools, and we're now in a situation where, you know, probably two schools out of every three I go and visit across the UK are using Unifrog. Internationally, lots of schools are using Unifrog. How did you get from point A to point B? So, you know what, there's no, there was no shortcuts. There was no, I, I remember, um, I mean, it's essentially we went school by school and um, that there's no, there's no shortcuts with, with schools. You can't kind of be like, oh, I'm going to suddenly, I'm going to sell Unifrog to this academy chain or this enormous uh, group of schools in one go. They, that just doesn't work in schools. Even even though those organisations do exist, you, if you actually want to um, provide a decent service to a school, you have to form a, a relationship with each school one by one. And so we go and visit our schools and actually get to know them and actually start to have a partnership with the people that work in those schools. And that's the only way. <laughs> I'm very, very clear on that. Um, it's, it's about... Uh, I mean, I think I think it's it's helpful that um, I I have pr I'm pretty familiar with schools because I was a teacher for five years and then was working via the Axe project with schools for another five, um, and a lot of the people that we've hired to 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 um, sell Unifrog to schools and then look after the the, the accounts that we have are ex-teachers because actually teachers understand teachers understand schools and yeah. you have to have that mindset if you want to make it work yeah and obviously the, the model in the uk and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to interact with a lot of your team in various regions here is that that partnership isn't it of picking people who will go and deliver workshops in, in schools will work with the students will train the staff and, and all that kind of stuff um yeah mm. again we are focusing on, on the journey here how do you build that mm. network? So after after yourself and Coralie, who who were the first hires? Who were the people who kind of joined this this team? Yeah. So well, 
Um, one of the earliest hires we had was um, a guy called Dan, Dan Keller, who um, now heads up. He has kind of a sprawling remit. I'm not even sure. I, I didn't try and remember what Dan's official um, job title is. But he, 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 he started as an area manager, which in Unifrog um, terms means he was both going visiting schools to sell Unifrog to them and looking after them. Yeah. And um, he, he was doing a good job. And then he said, uh, when we were hiring another set for another round of, of people, I've got a few friends who... Um, have finished finished uni recently and um, they're looking for jobs and so we hired three of his friends <laughs> they, they, they all um, seem to be very um, cut from the same cloth of being a you know being kind of firstly into climbing that's that's a very important well, well that is very important to Unifrog and anyone who follows these guys <laughs> on Instagram will, will see some terrifying photos <laughs> and then and the, but then also being what you've said really uh, being very interested in in kind of actually partnering with schools rather than just trying to like deliver a service to them um and then and then we have another very early employee we had someone called ben ben mahoney who's based in newcastle or just outside newcastle he again was like um i've got some friends who i think would be up um up for doing this job and be good at it and so we hired i think i think we hired his 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 sister-in-law, his, his the, the the basically various extended members of his family and his, and friends of his. And while we do, and I have to say this very quickly, while we do have very proper recruitment processes and um, you know it's not like we just hire people's friends, yeah. it is also a, a kind of important part of Unifrog that we are a community. In, you know, the Unifrog team is a community just as the Unifrog Custom Schools are a community. And so it made sense that quite a few of our, of our um, hires actually came from referrals. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of building the infrastructure around there. And, you know, I would say probably a large part of Dan's job is actually managing you, Alex, and reining in the, the ideas and inspiration. Um, but oh, really? You're constantly, <laughs> constantly having new ideas. And I think I'm, I'm potentially one of the, the worst members of the Unifrog community and I'm constantly pushing you to do more. Um, but the kind of building that infrastructure and the framework, um, as you say, come, happen quite quickly in building things. I'm fascinated also by the fact of the, of the choice of where Unifog headquarters is. Um, and again, you know, rather than we're saying you know, a big corporate office and, uh, or an out-of-town block, um, you know, where do you all choose to actually run Unifog from? So we, so Unifog's offices are in a, uh, actually in, inside a further education college called um, Hackney Community College. And it's a it's a good space for us to be in because we you know we're educationalists and it's important that we aren't we don't think that we're like we we, we see ourselves as an education company that uses technology rather than a technology company working in education. So I don't want to be with like a load of tech startups, you know, with like I mean, to be honest, the rest of the team would probably be pretty happy to have like um, you know a ping pong table and this kind of stuff but I'm like no the more, the more important thing that we do is see loads of students walking around every day rather than that we have um, uh, you know I don't know some really comfy chairs um, so yeah so, 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 so we, we, we're in a, an FE college and that is the best place for us I think 
Yeah, and there's, I mean, I've been, there's certainly no comfy chairs, there's just planks of wood, so. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to sit down in that place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so Unifog then has kind of, you know, getting a good reputation in the UK and how I kind of, you know, first came across it, and I, I think you were building the apprenticeships tool at the time. Then yeah. the international journey happens, and, and I think for a lot of listeners yeah. of the podcast, that's where they would have first come across Unifog. You know, what's yeah. that, that process been like of building Unifog, not only as a tool to help kids in the UK apply to UK universities, UK apprenticeships and things, but, but now the whole international dimension? Yeah, well, it's, it's been the most fantastic learning experience for us. Um, for, as a, you know, not, nothing to do with having a business or growing a product, but just learning about different education systems is completely fascinating. Because when, when you grow up, and you, you know, as a UK person, sadly, very often you only ever experience the UK system because people tend to stay in the UK, um, although we're trying to change that. Um, and, and when you realise that, oh, it's, it's not actually inevitable that you have to apply for a particular course. You know, in other systems, you don't. You, you can do an undeclared application then only decide a year in or two years in. Uh, it's kind of amazing and ma- makes you realise that the world of education is got even it's even bigger than you thought it, it was and has even more potential than you thought it, that you thought it had um yeah i mean the the but definitely the most complicated thing for us to learn about and i feel like i'll probably be a student of it my whole life is the u.s system where um there's just really very few similarities between how the uk has decided to build an education system and how the u.s build an education system and to understand just the university application process in the US you have to understand a lot of other things for example that there's no curriculum because that means that there's then no um, you know public exams which means that they don't have you know you're not going to have entry requirements and but then you know that's not the only reason you have entry requirements it's also the whole philosophy of the education system that it's more of a holistic application process so you know, you, you start learning about the, the different um, parts of the of the, um, the U.S. process, and it just opens up more and more and more to you. Um, which also, I think, means that we have more of a Unifrog has more of a role because we have to try and interpret a lot of this complexity um, to try and make it easy for our, uh, someone who's not familiar with it to to actually you know not be put off by it, and in fact to go and make an application. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been brilliant, but we, we, I definitely feel like we're we're still learning, and we will keep learning for many years. Great. So so it's kind of to, to round this off, we've done the the past of Unifog, we've done the present of Unifog. Um, mm-hmm. What what does the future hold? Okay. Well, there is we the cool thing about um, having been going for maybe six years, seven years, is that we now have a really really awesome team. We have a really, really awesome network of customers um, and users, um, and it means we can start to do really, really cool stuff. So, for example, um, in the next year, as in next academic year, we'll start working directly with universities and employers, we hope. So, um, approaching universities and employers and allowing them to put special opportunities in front of particular students. So let's say you're a let's say you're a um, uh, a, a university in 
regional university in the UK and you really want to try and recruit some black girls who are really good at engineering in a particular region of the, of the UK, well, we know who those students are and we can help that student find that university to have that special opportunity and maybe a special scholarship that those students could be eligible for. So I guess, I guess what, what's really exciting me um, for the future is that now we've got a bit of scale, we can start um, using our scale to offer great opportunities to, to our users. Um, so I, I'm super excited about that. Fascinating. Well, I mean, Alex, I've, I've, I've the story you've told me, I, I know, but I, I'm a big believer in storytelling and understanding where people's journeys go and, and therefore understanding their motivations in this. I'm, I will be you know, self-proclaimed fan of, of Unifog, but also should say for due diligence cases that I also um, am on the advisory board for Unifog. So though I'm, I am here to plug Unifog a little bit, I think knowing where it came <laughs> from and the importance mm. of actually... Alex being a teacher and the fact that this was you know, a passion project rather than a business venture, I think is important. Um, you know, I've certainly used your, your platform now for a number of years in, in different schools and things, and it's been hugely powerful, but I'm in the fortunate position of having worked at, at very privileged and well-resourced schools. I know that actually the foundation mm. of this for you and for Coralie and for a lot of the people you guys work with is the fact that you are now providing support to students who actually had nothing. Um, and I guess for, mm. for the two of you sitting in Mexico City now, looking back, that's probably the, the thing that you guys are, are proudest of. Yeah, I, I have to be honest, you, you, do, you have moments of, of being proud, but we're, we're really forward looking people and we're just excited about the, the future and the stuff that we're going to be doing. Um, you know, we're partnering with people like you, David, to be honest. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a bright world out there. Fantastic. Alex, thank you so much for your time. Thanks to Alex for his time and fitting me into a busy schedule, and also for sharing the funny fact that Unifrog could indeed have been Uni Trout. That's it for this episode. And as ever, please like, share and subscribe, or get in touch with me via theuniversityguide.com if you have any particular questions. Thanks so much for listening.